I want you to turn with me here tonight to Ezekiel 35 and 36. These are greatly neglected scriptures. They're not scriptures preachers preach out of. But I believe these two chapters set something concrete into my heart years ago that have helped me tremendously. I've never preached on them. I don't even think I've maybe mentioned them. I can't exactly remember, but it's been very fundamental. It's cleared up a lot for me. And here tonight, the message I was going to preach, I'm not going to preach. This is the second week running. I've delayed, but I just want you to know I, I do not like to enter a pulpit when I'm not ready, when I'm not prepared, when I haven't had the time. I do not rush the Word of God. I don't just give messages out. And um, I don't mind God spontaneously giving me things. I will preach that. But when I know I need time, there's certain things you need clarity on. I want to be slow. I want to be careful. Next Wednesday night, I'm going to preach on a very important subject, which is a spirit of anti-Semitism. Because you know what our world media at the minute is saying? Anti-Semitism has never been so high. I actually believe it's never been so large, so organized, so dynamic, maybe in world history as at this point. That's the importance of it. So I didn't want to come in here half cocked, half ready or prepared. I really want, it's so important what I've got for you in that message but I want to delay it one week, but I do have something here. And maybe this will be short, okay? I'm just warning you, I've got two entire chapters but, uh, to work with here. But it's very important. If I only plant a seed tonight, it is so important. It's so vital that you understand it. Maybe we'll teach in depth at another time, but I want to sow the seed. I want to plant the thought. I want to bring something to your attention that probably has never, ever been brought to your attention. I want to explain and identify something that preachers normally don't. And I actually believe without understanding what I'm about to say and tell you, you cannot understand the crisis in the Middle East. You can't even begin to understand it. You can't even decide which side you're on. You can't even interpret what people are saying about it, or opinions, or ideas. You can't even interpret the actual deeds that are happening within these regions unless you understand these two chapters. And could I ask you, if I asked you what are within these two chapters, I'd be very surprised if you could tell me. I'll be very surprised if you've done an entire study on these. I'd be utterly shocked if you've listened to an entire message just on one of these two chapters explaining it because I believe there's an importance. And so with that, I hope I've got your ears, your attention. I hope you, I've got your inquisitive nature or at least heightened your desire to understand this. I won't go into all of it. I am not expounding these chapters. I'm giving a brief mere exhortation to buy me a week's time until next week, okay? So I didn't, about an hour, or two hours ago, I suddenly went, I, I, I just can't. I don't want to rush into this message. I'd rather delay for a week. But it gives time just to lay this out. Let's go to the scripture here tonight. We're going to read from 
Ezekiel 35, but I want you to consider two entire chapters, if not three chapters, because they are so, so vital. Follow with me, Ezekiel chapter 35 and verse 1. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, set thy face against Mount Seir. Note that, Mount Seir. Who is Mount Seir? What is Mount Seir? Why is he prophesying? Why is God commanding this great prophet to prophesy against Mount Seir? You ought to mark that. Do you know who Mount Seir is? Do you know where it is? Do you know why he was prophesying this or commanded to? We're going to look at it here. Son of man, set thy face against Mount Seir and prophesy against it. And say unto it, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, O Mount Seir, I am against thee, and I will stretch out mine hand against thee, and I will make thee most desolate, and I will lay thy cities waste, and thou shalt be desolate, and thou shalt know that I am the Lord, because thou hast a perpetual hatred and has shed the blood of the children of Israel by the force of the sword in the time of their calamity, in the time of their iniquity, had an end. Therefore, as I live, saith the Lord, I will prepare thee unto blood, and blood shall pursue thee. Saith thou hast not hated blood, and even blood shall pursue thee. Thus will I make Mount Seir most desolate, and cut off from it him that passeth out, and him that returneth. And I will fill his mountains with his slain men, in thy hills and in thy valleys, and in all thy rivers shall they fall that are slain with the sword. I will make thee perpetual desolations, and thy city shall not return. And ye shall know that I am the Lord, because thou hast said these two nations and these two countries shall be mine, and we will possess it, whereas the Lord was there. Therefore, as I live, saith the Lord God, I will even do according to thine anger and according to thine envy, which thou hast used out of thy hatred against them. And I will make thyself known, myself known among them when I have judged thee, and thou shalt know that I am the Lord, and that I have heard all thy blasphemies, which thou hast spoken against the mountains of Israel. Note that. We now have the second time talking about mountains. Mount Seir he is prophesying against. What's Mount Seir doing? It is against the mountains of Israel. Do you see that here tonight? So thou hast spoken against the mountains of Israel, saying, they are laid desolate, they are given to us to consume. Thus with your mouth ye have boasted against me, and have multiplied your words against me. I have heard them. Thus saith the Lord God, when the whole earth rejoices, I will make thee desolate. As thou didst rejoice at the inheritance Notice this carefully. You, Mount Seir, have rejoiced 
against the inheritance of the house of Israel. What is the inheritance of the house of Israel? It is a land. That's what their inheritance is. So will I do unto thee. Thou shalt be desolate, O Mount Seir, and all I do, do Mia, even all of it, and they shall know that I am the Lord. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we come unto the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. You're a God that revealed yourself as the God of these three men. You're, uh, you said that you're not ashamed to call us our, to be called our God, and nor God to be identified with such as us, nor God, you're not ashamed of your ancient people, and neither are you ashamed of the members of the body of Christ. Father, we love you. We praise you. Show us this ancient hatred, this perpetual hatred, nor God, we're asked and that you make us to understand by these ancient scriptures, these prophecies that are for our day, that are for us, that we might learn through them. My God, give us clarity, give us understanding, give us insight, give us wisdom. Nor God, we pray that we wouldn't Lord God, look at the, the, the situations of this day with our natural minds, our natural understanding. But, oh God, that we had look at all things through the written scriptures. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. I just want to give you a key to the jigsaw of Bible prophecy. I want to put one bit in place for you. See, when you're building a jigsaw, You've got all the parts. You maybe get a corner. If you're a wise jigsaw builder, you look for the corners and then you build in. You're moving. You're progressive. You know what? You look for piece after piece to go in the right spot. That's what understanding Bible prophecy is like and end days and last days. Don't worry that you don't understand everything. Just beginning to build putting the right bits in the right place. I'm going to give you a major jigsaw puzzle to help you. And this is what you do. When you understand certain chapters, certain prophecies, and it begins to build, come together. See these two chapters that I want you to understand here tonight. Do you know their context? They can only be fulfilled after the creation of the state of Israel, which happened in 1948. That is the context of the beginning, the fulfillment of these chapters. In chapter 35, chapter 36, chapter 37, they all lead into Ezekiel's war in chapter 38 and chapter 39. You need to begin to understand that we in the creation of Israel in 1948, began to see these particular chapters fulfilled. That's when a lot of prophecies began to take reality. There are prophecies saying Israel will be regathered from all nations into their ancient homeland, a certain place, not just any place. It has to be a certain bit of real estate. It has to be a certain geographical place. It has to be certain mountains. That's why the names of mountains are very interesting. Look with me here in Ezekiel chapter 35. 
and verse 1, Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, set thy face against Mount Seir and prophesy against it. The entire chapter of 35, this is what it is. It's God prophesying against Mount Seir. Hold that for a second. Now turn to chapter 36, verse 1. Also thou, son of man, prophesy unto the mountains of Israel, and say, ye mountains of Israel, hear the word of the Lord. I want you to see this clearly. As you enter into end days and the crisis that's going to be in Israel, that's going to lead to Ezekiel's war, Russia, Turkey, Iran, Sudan, and several other nations invade in Israel. Do you know what it says in chapter 38? And again in chapter 39, to be specific, it says in Ezekiel 38, verse 8, 39, verse 2, verse 4, verse 17, it talks about the mountains of Israel in the context of this invasion by Gog of Magog, by Persia, by all these nations. It keeps emphasizing it's going to happen on the mountains of Israel. What are the mountains of Israel? Can you tell me here tonight? So we read about a whole global war of nations. We hear something prophesied that we are actually on the threshold of. And what is dealt with the mountains of Israel? Do you think it's a coincidence that we read of an invasion in chapter 38 and chapter 39 into the mountains of Israel? But just before that, chapter 37, we have an entire chapter, the Valley of Dry Bones, the restoration of Israel physically into the land, coming back as an entire nation. And I believe chapter 37, it covers the political re-establishment of Israel, economically, militarily. And I also believe it speaks spiritually of a revival that's going to take place. And you know what? That has never happened in Israel until today. 1948, she begins to form again as a nation. She begins to rebuild herself. These ancient mountains of Israel that we talk about were barren, treeless, desolate. And then all of a sudden, they began to blossom and come back as an entire nation. We have watched Israel keep building since 1948 to become a great and notable nation, but a very small nation in the world. And you know what? Chapter 35 and chapter 36 is very important to understand the mi mindset of God in leading into Ezekiel's war. What we do is I think I've preached enough on chapter 38 and 39 and chapter 37 for you to understand something of that. But I've never dealt with chapter 35 and 36. So I'm giving you another piece of the jigsaw. If you have Ezekiel's war in place, if you understand that, let me take you back to understand the mind of God as we lead into that era. I believe we're there. I don't know how long this is going to take, but I know we're there. And I believe this will help you to understand why are we living at a time where anti-Semitism is rising up in places we never imagined, and it's becoming very strong. Two to three weeks ago, we saw an atrocious attack on Israel 
children. Now they're saying they have written commands that were found on these men. They had plans, maps of the schools, and they had instructions, find the civilians, massacre the civilians, find the children. It was a deliberate act. Now they're seeing more and more how deliberate. This was a deliberate act of provocation against the nation of Israel. Do you think this is not dealt with in the Bible or Scripture? Listen again. I believe these Scriptures are absolutely important to it. Chapter 36 is an entire chapter about the mountains of Israel. Chapter 35 is actually dealing with Mount Seir. Let's start looking at this for a second, and I want you to understand something here. Ezekiel actually gave us this prophecy 2,600 years ago about last days, events that were going to take place. He gave a sequence. He gave an order. He began to show us so we could understand. Today, we know that the Gaza Strip is at war with Israel. They're half of what is now called the Palestinian lands. The other area is on the other side of Israel. It's called the West Bank. But guess what? In the Bible, it's called the mountains of Israel. All the mountains of Israel fall within the West Bank. What is now claimed by the Palestinians but I've got an entire chapter just before Ezekiel's war given an exact prophecy to those mountains of Israel. Do you understand what I'm saying here tonight? This is absolutely vital to understand what is going on. If you don't understand these chapters, you can't interpret events. All you see is children dying, world media telling you. Do you know what? There's no winners in war. War is not nice. There's no winners come out on right or wrong. It is a terrible thing. Speak to a real soldier. You know, all through the years, I was always told, you speak to a real soldier, and they don't talk about what they do. They're the real soldiers. You know, those that haven't seen them happen, they're the ones who talk all about it. They tell you lots of things. But you talk to a real soldier who's been in the battlefield and seen bloodshed and he's been right at the heart of it. There's nothing glorious about war, I want to tell you. There's nothing nice. It is a terrible thing. The old soldiers are grieved. I watch real soldiers who have been in war. They will cry tears. You won't see that publicly. They won't sit and boast to you about their deeds in war. A real soldier won't do it. There's nothing glorious about war, but we want to get the mind of God here. So when you begin to understand, we, we have Gaza at war with Israel. Now the West Bank is the other part. It's more to the east and up from Gaza. Gaza is the bottom left of Israel. But the West Bank is the upper, or it's the heart of Israel. That's what the West Bank is. So when you begin to understand these things from ancient prophecies, a lot begins to fall into place. And so this area that you begin to see is ancient Judea and Samaria, or what is called in the old prophecies, the mountains of Israel. 
I want you to see something here tonight. Chapter 35 and verse 5. And it says this. Because thou hast had a perpetual hatred and has shed the blood of the children of Israel by the force of the sword in the time of their calamity, in the time of their iniquity, had an end. It's talking about a specific time. You were against Israel, the children of Israel, at a certain time, at the end of their calamity, at the end of their troubles. You know what that was? When Israel was birthed as a nation again, when she came back into her own land, that's when you came with bloodshed. This chapter 35 is a prophecy against Mount Seir and a certain people. Do you know where Mount Seir is? So I've just told you where the mountains of Israel are. They're in the land of Israel, but on the West Bank. And the Palestinians are there. That's where Russia is going to fall. That's where Iran is going to fall. That's where Turkey is going to fall. On the West Bank, on the mountains of Israel. It's a very small area. Imagine a prophecy from 2,600 years ago that says, I'm going to bring Magog, Gog of Magog, down with its great armies. And you name all the great nations, Persia, all of these nations, they're going to come from every direction. And this small strip of land within Israel, you say specifically the mountains of Israel, this great army, five out of six soldiers are going to fall on those mountains. Do you know how Mount Seir is? It's the other side of Jordan, the River Jordan, in the country of Jordan today. That's where you find Mount Seir. It's a whole range of mountains. And listen, you want to know the history of this. Go back to Genesis 36 and verse 8. This is what it says. Thus dwelt Esau. Do you know who Esau was? He was the brother of Jacob. Listen to what it says. Thus dwelt Esau in Mount Seir. Esau is Edom. So it's the land of Edom. You know Esau's other name is Edom. Where the Edomites come from. But he's also called Mount Seir. That is where Esau, the brother of promise, actually settled. Mount Seir belongs to him, not to Jacob, not to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Do you know who the mountains of Israel were given to? Guess who? To the seed of Abraham, Isaac, down to Jacob, down to the 12 tribes of Israel. Abraham had other children. He had other peoples come out of him. But the mountains of Israel were never given to them. Many of the peoples in the Middle East today, the Arabic, Muslim, Middle Eastern people, they're a mishmash. And they've got their history in this Bible. But the mountains of Israel never, never belonged to them. But you know what? There's a Mount Seir representing the seed of Esau, who is also called Edom. This is a remarkable thing, but look at verse 5 of this. It talks about a perpetual hatred. 
And that word perpetual means an ancient hatred. When you look up the word, it means to have your eyes veiled or it vanishes out of sight so your eyes can't see it. Listen, this is a hatred that when you begin to look at it, it's not recent. You've got to understand, this doesn't go back to 1948 or to 1900 or to 1500 or to 2000 years ago. When you begin looking at this hatred of Mount Seir, of the Edomites, of the people in around Israel, who actually have spoken about the mountains of Israel and who said, it's going to be our possession. Hold on. My Bible says the mountains of Israel is going to belong to the children of Israel and they are going to get regathered from all nations back into their inheritance. These mountains belong to the children of Israel who have been scattered to all nations. But do you know what Mount Seir is saying? Mount Seir is saying, those are our mountains we shall possess them. They will become our inheritance. Do you know these two chapters help you to understand the mind of God? He gives two entire prophecies about the land. See today, people say God's not interested in land. Oh yes, he is. This is a war that's leading right into Ezekiel's war, right into an invasion by great powers, great armies. Russia is going to fall. She's going to be judged. You know, Russia has never been judged for killing all the Christians under communism. She's never been judged. This is going to be her hour of judgment. And you know where God's going to judge Russia? On the mountains of Israel. That very spot. Not in Jordan. Not in Mount Seir. Not in any of the other surrounding countries. Not in Lebanon. Not in Egypt. It's going to be right on the mountains of Israel as she begins to invade on the very land that the Palestinians have claimed. They actually there. They, they, they came from someone, I want to tell you, but they aren't the right inheritors of the mountains of Israel. Here they are. They sit on the mountains of Israel saying this belongs to us. I want to tell you that land does not belong to them. Not at all. It absolutely doesn't. You know, in chapter 35, we have this prophecy against the, mount, the mountain or Mount Seir. But see, in chapter 36, we have a prophecy to the mountains of Israel. The Mount Seir and the mountains of Israel are the ancient homelands. And hear this carefully, because this is mind-blowing. These two areas, these two mountains being prophesied before Ezekiel's war are the ancient homelands of two brothers, Esau and Jacob. This is two prophecies about their lands given to their ancient peoples and about there being a conflict over the land that will eventually lead to Ezekiel's war. And so these are the ancient ancestors of present-day Arabs and Jews. This is utterly remarkable when you begin to look at this. Utterly remarkable. If you go to a map of Israel, and I wish I had it to put up for you tonight, it would really help you understand what I'm saying. If you look at a map of Israel and you begin to look up, go and look at, Google it up afterwards, the mountains of Israel, you've got the heart of the nation of Israel, are right down the right-hand side, just this side of Jordan, within the land. 
Do you know what you have within that region? You have Jerusalem, you have Bethlehem, you have Bethany, you have Hebron, you've got Ai, Bethel, Shiloh, Shechem. These are all the disputed lands. These are the ancient mountains of Israel. And you know, this ancient prophecy said there was going to be a controversy 2,600 years ago, just before Ezekiel's war, before Russia and Turkey and Iran invade Israel. There's going to be a controversy over these mountains. I want to ask you, do, do these chapters, have they come to pass? Has Israel been gathered again from all nations? Did she come to a barren land? Is the land being regrown? Has it blossomed? Like, has it become um, a, a, a remarkable nation once again? When you begin to look at all of these things, it is utterly, utterly remarkable. I am utterly in awe. I believe this helps you to begin to understand God's heart. He prophesies an entire chapter against Mount Seir. And he begins to prophesy about what he's going to do with the mountains of Israel. He actually speaks, you valleys, you mountains, you towns, you villages, you are going to be repopulated again. Men are going to begin walking upon you as in olden days again. It says in Ezekiel chapter 6, that when they were scattered through all countries, that he would again gather them in a remarkable way. But look at this perpetual hatred. It is a very, very ancient hatred. You can't even see the beginning of it. There is a perpetual hatred that will never come to an end until the Lord Jesus Christ comes back again and ends the conflict and unifies this people. This is a deep-rooted, perpetual hatred. And you know what? It is against the mountains of Israel. Those that possess this hatred want the mountains of Israel. They claim them. They bathe them in blood. And God is prophesying here. This is not the opinion of a man or a pastor or a preacher or a church. It's not. Or any nationality or the right or the left. This is a clear prophecy just before Ezekiel's war. And this is God saying, this is my thoughts. This is my heart on all of this. I believe this is remarkable. When you go back to the end of the First World War, we know that Jerusalem and the nation of Israel, it was then called Palestine, the entire thing. They called it Palestine. The British called it Palestine. Turkey or the Turkish Empire actually ruled over Jerusalem. They owned it. At the end of the war, Turkey fell. Britain marched in in 1917. And you'll remember I said General Allenby got off his horse and led his horse right in the gate into the city of Jerusalem and retook it. Do you know what the British done at that point? They drew up a plan to give the entire region of Palestine to the Jew. Do you know what that entire region was? It was all of present-day Israel and all of present-day Jordan, both sides of the Jordan River. 
That's what they actually promised. The British government said, this entire land is going to belong to the Jew. And then they changed the plan. Do you know what they changed the plan to? And what happened in 1948 was that it was only to the left side of the Jordan, which is present day Israel. The other side, which they said was all going to be given to the Jews, they give they created an entire new nation called Jordan. And you know what? These two countries, Israel and Jordan, are those specified in these two chapters, the regions, the mountains on either side of the Jordan. And so you have Mount Seir or a whole range of mountains which falls in the map. It's called Edom. And Edom is within present day. Um, Jordan. When you begin to look at chapter 35 and listen to this, it says, it gives a rundown of this ancient hatred, what it looks like. And if you don't believe the Bible, you won't understand what's happening today. One minute you'll feel sympathy for Israel. The next you'll see things happening in Gaza and then you'll feel for them. And then you'll go, how can I, as a Christian, even know what God is thinking in this? Is God's heart for the innocent victim? Or does God have another purpose in all of this? Do you see how you can be moved? And you ought to be moved with compassion for all. You ought to be broken. There's crisis on both sides. You ought to weep tears over the kids dying in Gaza. It is tragic. Last night I saw on the news item, a Palestinian father with the little kids' cousins all playing together, four, four of them, they're all gone. And he sat on a hill, a heap of rubble, showing the picture of the four cousins, two in one family, two in the other. They're dead, they're gone. I believe all under six years old. And he held the picture. It's not make-believe. This is happening. We don't rejoice in any of this. But you know what? You'll never understand what's happening. You're going to get caught in emotional battle and strife. You won't even know what to believe or what is right anymore. I am giving you a prophecy for this hour. What God does, God prophesies against Mount Seir. God actually prophesies into all of this, his mind, his thinking. And he talks about the perpetual hatred you want to trace this back, and we're going to trace it back. We're going to look at this over the coming weeks. Next week, we're going to look at a spirit of anti-Semitism. But I want you to see this. This is for our day. God gives prophecies about the land. See, people are arguing about the land. Why don't we go back and see what God says about the land? Villages, towns, name places, valleys, mountains. He actually names them. And he gives exact prophecies. You can't get it more explicit than this. These are remarkable prophecies. Look at this ancient hatred that we read about Mount Seir in Ezekiel 35. Look at verse 35. It says they hated Israel since ancient times. It's a perpetual ancient hatred. The seed of Esau there's genetics there. There's DNA there. There's going to be a people around just before Ezekiel's war who actually can be traced back to ancient Esau. 
You know what? If you would have met Esau, I guarantee every one of you listening to me, if you would have walked in the door and met Jacob and Esau, and I let you spend an evening with Esau, and the next night you get to spend it with his brother. And then I sit you down and say, who do you think's nicer? Did you get on with Jacob, the twister? Or did you get on with Esau? I'd be shocked if any of you come away and said, Jacob is far nicer than his brother Esau. I'd be shocked. Yet one is blessed of God and one is rejected of God. So there's an ancient hatred here. In verse 5, it also talks about they shed the blood of Israel. In verse 10, it says they want the land of Israel. In verse 12, it talks about how they spoke of blasphemies against the people and the land. And then verse 13, it says, they boasted themselves against the Lord. You've got all of this and far, far more. Do you see what I'm doing is opening up to you the mind of God, the heart of God, the thoughts of God, the plans of God, the prophecies of God's judgment. Now, can I ask you something? Are you trying to judge this entire world event by your emotions, your thoughts, your feelings, by thoughts, love, sentiment? Are you going to scripture and understanding the plan of God and the purpose of God? Because that can be very, very different. There is an ancient hatred. You better know who's got an ancient hatred. What is hatred? It is to set yourself as an enemy. Here God is prophesying about the situation today. Is he saying that the hatred, ancient hatred, is in the Edomites or in the children of Israel? Is he prophesying against the children of Israel and saying, you have a wicked desire to shed blood. You're looking for their land. You've stolen their land. You've taken their land. Or is he prophesying against the seed of Esau, which is an actual people in the Middle East today? Very few people are saying, I'm the child of Esau. But you've got their seed there. And God's prophesying that in Esau, that nice, clean-cut guy, oh yes, he did take two wives. Yes, he did. He married outside the seed, the family. He married wrong. He didn't walk with God, but he's a nice guy. He's a real guy. In fact, his brother actually duped him out of his inheritance. You know, the nice spiritual one blessed of God was a conniver, a twister, until he met with the angel of the Lord and his nature was changed. He wrestled all night and he become Israel. Something happened to him. But you know what? Esau was a very nice guy, a sentimental guy. You would like Esau. And yet he's of the flesh. There is a hatred within his heart. There's an opposition, an enmity against Israel. And you know what today? What you're seeing today, you must not interpret this by media. You've got to go back to scripture. You've got to stand back and begin to understand what the Bible says very, very clearly. This is a remarkable thing. What I'm telling you is just giving you a little bit of the jigsaw puzzle. Do you know this ancient hatred also says in Ezekiel 25 verse 5, thus saith the Lord God, because the Philistines have 
dealt by revenge. Remember how the Philistines were, the inhabitants of Gaza. Present day Gaza Strip. That's the land. And so here's a prophecy the Lord says, because the Philistines have dealt by revenge and have taken vengeance with a despiteful heart to destroy it for the old hatred. Do you see even here, it's talking about the Philistines had this ancient hatred against Israel as well. And they do it out of spite, out of vengeance, out of venom. And so you begin to get a picture with Gaza, with the West Bank, there is an ancient hatred against Israel. It's perpetual. It goes back to the Canaanites. It goes back to the Philistines. It goes back to the Edomites. It goes back to Esau. There is a perpetual hatred. And now when you see it and you go on and you listen to RTE and BBC and CNN and whoever else, world media, and they tell you they're unbiased, why don't you go to Scripture and begin to understand exactly what is happening right now? This is a perpetual hatred, but whose heart is it in? Who does God say has a perpetual hatred, bitterness, desire to shed blood, and God prophesies against them and says, you're not going to have the land. I'm going to judge you. I'm going to gather my people from all nations right back to this land, the land of Israel. And he spends two chapters showing you that land matters, that barriers, boundaries, borders matter. People just think it doesn't matter. It does to God. He has actually said, I'll bless these mountains yet again. I'm going to move here. I'm going to do this. That's why God mentions nations and cities and peoples. You say, oh, but it doesn't matter what happened in the past. Yes, it does. You may actually say, I don't understand the Middle East. I don't know history. I don't know why it's happening. Do you know in the Bible, God gives you clear history. And we'll see this more next week. You know what? God cares about your great, 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 great grandfather. And that has consequence on your life. God cares about these nations, these peoples, and he describes them and gives the most accurate, accurate, exact details of nations. But you know what? If we believe in literal prophecy and people out there who don't believe in what I'm saying or don't believe Israel is in the right place at this time. They spiritualize all these prophecies. They make the mark of the beast spiritual and say, oh, it's of the mind. It's something spiritual. They do away with all of the exact prophecies. Antichrist won't be a man. There won't be a literal Ezekiel's war. They destroy Bible prophecy. I'd, I'd like to know, why is it all these prophecies are literally, accurately coming to pass in the 2020s, a literal mark that's going to be on your body. Israel in a literal land again, after all these generations, all the prophecies of the Bible are literally being fulfilled and coming to pass. Look with me just as we close to Ezekiel chapter 38 and verse 8, and look what it says here very, very clearly. 
says in Ezekiel 38 and verse 8, after many days thou shalt be visited, talking about Magog, which is Russia, ancient Scythia, Russia. After many days thou shalt be visited, in the latter days thou shalt come into the land that is brought back from the sword and is gathered out of many people against the mountains of Israel, which have been always waste, but it is brought forth out of the nations, and they shall dwell safely, all of them. In chapter 39, verse 2, and it says, and I will turn thee back. This is God speaking to this army. I will turn thee back and leave but the sixth part of thee, and will cause thee to come up from the north parts and will bring thee upon the mountains of Israel. God is going to do this on the mountains of Israel. So you've got to understand, you can't even understand Ezekiel's war, which is shortly going to come to pass. If you don't understand this controversy in chapter 35 and 36 that leads into this, that's just before 37. And then one other verse, verse 4, it says, Thou shalt fall upon the mountains of Israel. Do you see that? This army is going to fall on the mountains of Israel. Thou and all thy bands and the people that is with thee, I will give thee unto the ravenous birds of every sort and to the beasts of the field to be devoured. And then lastly, verse 17, it says, And thou, son of man, thus saith the Lord God, speak unto every feathered fowl and to every beast of the field, assemble yourselves and come and gather yourselves on every side to my sacrifice that I do sacrifice for you, even a great sacrifice, where? Upon the mountains of Israel, that ye may eat flesh and drink blood. So this entire war is in a small region of mountains within the land of Israel that is the disputed land. And we're going to hear about it time after time after time. But you need to understand, if we believe in this prophecy, and we believe it's literal prophecy, and we believe it's happening today, and we believe we're on the edge of Ezekiel's war, then you can accurately understand this whole controversy. There is an ancient hatred that's going on. You know, all that we're hearing at the minute is that Israel now has to call it quits, has to stop. And I understand that. They say that they should only do what's been done to them in equal accord, measure it out. And that's enough. Now you can stop. Hold on. If Israel was to do what's been done to them since 1948, listen to me as I close. There's a cracker, what I'm just about to say. Because this is what's being called for all across the media. All the people that say, let's balance this. Only give as much as you've received. Let's call it quits. 1,400 killed of Jews, of Israelis. Your children, your fathers. We kidnapped your people. We attacked children. I wouldn't even want to list all the atrocities that I've heard involved in this. So let's call it quits. You've done a lot of damage. 
if they were to do or respond like they've been treated since 48, do you know what they would have to do? They wouldn't have to stop now. They would have to invade every Arab Muslim surrounding nation. They would actively have to say, we want to annihilate you. We want to destroy you. We're going to take all your lands. Remember in one of the wars, they actually invaded the three capitals of three of the nations that come against them. What did they do? They gave them back again. They gave all the land back again and just come back to their own bit of land. Now everyone's saying, you need to give up your land. Hold on, we had your three capitals. We took all of your land. So I'm telling you, if the media gets what it wants, Israel needs to say, we hate you. We want to annihilate your people. We're going to possess all your lands. We're going to attack you without mercy. And if we annihilate you, we'll never let you recover again. That would have been equal. But they haven't done that. And I don't justify any death. I don't justify war. I don't have to. All I'm doing is giving you prophecy. There is an ancient hatred. And you need to know, it's not Israel initiated things. Remember, it's first day as a nation. 15th of May, it pronounced the state of Israel. The very next day, a massive army attacks them, and it's never stopped to today. All the Jews got driven out of the surrounding Arab nations. You don't hear anything about that. They got displaced, pushed out from all of the surrounding Arab Muslim nations. I don't hear any cry about that. Saints of God, be very careful in this whole crisis that you're seeing what God says. This is a remarkable book. And that's one particular prophecy about the God of the Bible that says, I so loved you that I sent my son to die on a cross for you. God is not the God of wars. He's come to show mercy, hasn't come to condemn you. The Bible says hasn't come, you're already condemned if you're in your sin. You're, you're born a sinner. You're lost, far from God, and yet he loved you and he cared for you. Do you realize all the nations right now, they're saying this could lead to the third world war. Iran could get pulled in. China could get pulled in. Russia could be coming against America. All the nations of the world are looking at the mountains of Israel, at the Gaza Strip that's been prophesied about. And you know what? God gives us all the details of accurate, accurate things that are going to happen in the last days. And all this, he says, for one reason. Do you know why he prophesied chapter 35 about Mount Seir? He tells you. Do you know why he prophesied chapter 36? He tells you. Do you know why he prophesied chapter 38? He tells you. And 39. Do you know he gives you the same reason for giving you all those details? This one reason. That you might know that I am the Lord. So he gives all these details that you can know. I'm the God of the Bible. And you can trust in me. God's not making those things happen. He told you they would happen. He prophesies into it. And you don't want to get, I can afford to be in the wrong end of bullets and bombs. I can afford to be in the wrong side of that. I can't afford to be in the wrong side of prophecies 
that come out of the sovereign heart of God. And I do not want to align myself with an ancient, perpetual hatred that goes all the way back to Esau, Edomites, Philistines, that's all through the Muslim world. I do not want to be on the side of a perpetual hatred that God warns you about and speaks against and prophesies against. But do you know what I do want to do? Knowing all these things, I want to know. This gospel's for you. It's time to get born again. If you're in this meeting not born again, why don't you, as you see all these things happen, as you see world events, I'm telling you, you hold a book here that gives you exact details. You know what God's saying? I'm God. I'm the God of the Bible. I'm the one who sent my son to die in your place. That if you believe in me, you will not perish, but have everlasting life. Why will you go to hell? Do you realize on the day of judgment, not one sinner is going to stand there and say, I didn't know. God's going to say, what more did you want me to do? I told world events of the rise of nations. I give you exact details. I, I sent my son to die, to suffer on the cross for your sin. I send preachers. I send Christians. I give you numbers of warnings. What else would you have me to do? It's time to get born again. And in these days to be right with God. And saints of God, if you're born again here tonight, you need to walk in the light of God's word. You need to say, make your thoughts my thoughts, your ways my ways. I want to understand the word of God. I don't want to interpret anything with my eyes or my ears or my mind. I want to know the word of God. Study this book. Because if you study chapter 35 and 36, you're going to have insight that great nations and great leaders don't at this time. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for the word of God. Father, I thank you that the spirit of prophecy is the revelation of Jesus Christ. My God, we're not playing with prophetic games. We're not playing with Bible prophecy. We're not arguing or debating over things that are of no consequence. You are the God of the Bible. And we know as we look at ancient prophecies that are given in exact detail concerning nations, concerning mountains, concerning events concerning wars. My God, we stand in awe that we are literally standing in the fulfillment of Bible prophecy, that you're making Israel to be a burdensome stone to all nations, that you're making her to be a cup of trembling to all of the nations in around her. You are the living God. You're the God of Bi the Bible. You're the God of Bible prophecy. You are the everlasting God. You're a God that looks at the heart and you see perpetual hatred, you see envy, you see jealousy, you hear the words of those that claim nations and towns and cities and hills and mountains that do not belong to them. We've got a book in our hand that actually gives the inheritance to an ancient people that will be regathered to her again. And Lord God, we want to submit to your sovereign dealings. You're not just a God that deals with a nice Esau in a very placid way. You're a God that looks at the heart, that calls for righteousness. And Father, I pray, have a dealing with every single life in this church. Father, I pray that as a church, 
that we might play our part in the will of God and the plan of God. And Lord God, serve you in this last hour. Have us in the right place at the right time. And just like you have set Israel in her physical land as your physical people, Lord God, we realize that we are your spiritual people. It is time to restore your church again. Place her in a spiritual land of abundance, of revival, nor God of mountains and valleys. Lord God, bring again your church. And we realize that we're entering into a day of perpetual hatred, that we have an enemy, an adversary that hates the church, that hates the body of Christ. And oh God, we're asking of you that no matter what onslaught comes against your church, that you're going to keep your church in the land, in the spiritual land, nor God, that you've ordained for her. Revive us, stir us again, even in this room tonight. Oh God, light a fire in our hearts as we realize this God is our God. The God of the Bible, the God of Ezekiel's prophecy is the one that we can approach in prayer through the blood of Jesus, by the grace of God. And we love you tonight in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.